from the book of Mark. If you would please turn with me there. Mark uh, chapter 14, verses 1 through 9. Mark 14, verses 1 through 9. And I will be reading from the New King James Version. After two days it was Passover, and the feast of the unleavened bread, and the chief priest and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster, alabaster flask and very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indigent among themselves and said, Why, is this, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. But me you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as memorial to her. There was once a businessman and he was traveling through Korea and as he was uh, driven through the city and outside the city into the countryside, he noticed a very peculiar sight. In a field beside the road was a young man pulling a rudimentary plow and an old man holding on to the handles. He was kind of amused at that sight at first. He took a snapshot and he turned to his guide who happened to be a missionary in the area and he said, those people must be very poor. He said, they are in fact very poor. He said, but those men are Christians and when they were building their church building, they wanted to give something in the aid of building that church building. And so all they had was an ox. And so they sold their only ox and they gave the proceeds of that ox toward the building of that building. Of course, uh, upon hearing that, the businessman sat there silent for a moment and then he turned back and he said, that must have been a real sacrifice for them. And the missionary said, well, that's not what they called it. He said, they were just glad that they had an ox that they could sell to give as a gift uh, to the church. So eventually the businessman took care of his travels and he went back home and he took the picture to the congregation where he was a member. And he showed that picture and he told them about it. Then he added, he said, I'm going to increase my giving to the church and do some plow work. Up until now, I've never given God anything that involved real sacrifice. Our text this morning is just exactly about that kind of a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice that a young lady gave, and it's that kind of a sacrifice that God expects from His people. Now, the sermon this morning is not about our giving, but it is about sacrifice. It is about giving ourselves. And that is the kind of giving and the kind of sacrifice that is to mark a Christian. That ought to be an identifier for people who, uh, who are not aware of who we are or what we are, but they ought to be able to identify us through our sacrifices to God. 
And I believe this is the kind of sacrifice about which Paul spoke when he commanded this, Romans 12, 1. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You see, that sacrifice is something that is given daily. It's a continual sacrifice that we live as Christians serving God. It's very much like uh, the sacrifices of the Old Testament where the sacrifice was killed, uh, but instead we are a living sacrifice. We are the individual who is sacrificing himself or herself so that we can be pleasing to God. And there may be things in our lives we need to sacrifice. There may be things in our lives that we ought to, ought to give up, and, and we need to consider that. Now, in our passage, the, the context of this is that Jesus is close to giving himself on the cross. Not far into the future, he is about to be murdered. And we're going to notice, and as uh, Brother Jeff read the, the passage for us, he was anointed, and in reality, he was anointed for his burial. That's what uh, this lady did. Now, uh, when we uh, look at this, and as this account unfolds, I want us to notice just the depth of love, adoration, respect, and devotion that this young lady has for him by giving him this very costly sacrifice. Now, the example in this passage is it was a monetary sacrifice, but that's not always the case. Her sacrifice of love, we notice, was condemned by some, but it was upheld and it was commended by Jesus himself. He said that, uh, to those around her, that her sacrifice would be remembered forever. And here we are in 2020 talking about her sacrifice, and it is remembered. What do we remember about Judas? Well, we remember he's a traitor, that he did some terrible things in his life, but we remember this woman's sacrifice because she was a living sacrifice. The title of the sermon this morning is She Did What She Could. And as we endeavor to use this young lady's example to apply to our own lives so that we might be sacrifices and living sacrifices, we need to examine exactly what she did. And we need to make that application into our lives today. Now what we're going to do, we're going to notice three areas wherein she made great sacrifice. And it's three areas that we ought to make sacrifice. Maybe we are making a sacrifice in, in one area, but... Maybe in another area we ought to improve that sacrifice in some way. But first I want us to notice she did what she could in the area of sacrifice. Okay? Notice the gift found in verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. The ointment that she poured on the Lord's head was valued at 300 pence. Now, to be able to uh, understand that, we have to understand what this, this uh, ointment represented. This ointment was very precious, it says. 
Now, there was a big market for this ointment. And if there's ever a big market for something, we know it in our own time, you're going to have knockoffs, aren't you? You're going to have a knockoff. Uh, you may want a, a, a pair of particular pair of sunglasses, but you're not going to pay $500 for a pair of sunglasses to sit on and break them, so you'll get the $20 variety. It's a knockoff, right? Is it as good? Well, I don't know. Probably not. But will it work? Sure it will. Well, see, this wasn't the knockoff. This was the real thing. This was a very precious ointment. And there were different grades of this ointment. And she had the top of the line. It was worth more, we might say, uh, the other passages say 300 denarii. Now here's how we can better understand that. One denarii was a day's wage. She had almost a year's worth of money tied up in this ointment. Now, if we want to make that into something we can better understand, if we consider what the minimum wage is today and how much a person makes in a day on a regular eight-hour shift, we're talking about $15,000 or thereabout. So she had a gift of ointment worth, in our time, about $15,000 plus. Boy, what a sacrifice. What a sacrifice. I think that information is important because of the complaint that the disciples made or that they were about to make. It was revealed that something about uh, the depth of Mary's love was something that we all ought to have. She did not allow this precious ointment to stand between her and the Lord. There's no doubt that was the most expensive thing she had in her life. Because I don't know that she had much else. But she gave that to him. And this box itself, it was uh, alabaster, it was a type of marble, and it was used to uh, uh, preserve ointments. The ancients used it. So the box itself was very expensive. She broke the box. Now to Mark's statement that Mary poured it over his head, John added something else. John 12 verse 3 she said that she poured it on his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. What was Mary able to do for the Lord? She could anoint him. She could wash his feet with that anointment. And she could dry them with her hair. What a sacrifice. Her sacrifice was a costly one. But Mark explained that some were grieved at the gift that she gave. Now, we have to understand who it was. Obviously, we've spoken of Judas. Judas held the money back. He was a traitor. Uh, he was the treasurer, and he was a thief. So instead of giving this precious ointment to the Lord, and again, his body was being anointed for the burial, what it was. That's what it ended up being. Instead of allowing the Lord to have that, he wanted to sell that, put it in the treasury, and under the guise of feeding the hungry. But we all know what Judas was doing. He was all about the money. Now John specified Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples that should betray him, was especially vocal in that complaint. That doesn't surprise us. But here is the thing. We need to understand when we read passages, words mean things, right? He said that it was uh, uh, a waste, right? It was a waste to do it. But what does it mean if you waste something? That means you use it thoughtlessly or carelessly, right? Have you ever known people wasted money? They just spend money on everything. 
you know, they do this, they do that, they waste time, you just don't, don't use it properly, or you waste uh, different things, okay? Well, that wasn't wasted, was it? That wasn't used improperly. That wasn't thoughtless. That was thoughtful, wasn't it? Judas wanted the money. When we consider our financial sacrifices, we're to be thoughtful in that, aren't we? That's the whole idea behind it. Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians 16 too. Lay by in store. That means you consider what the gift is going to be. You don't just grab up a your billfold or jerk out the checkbook and just fill it out really quickly. You consider as a part of your life what that sacrifice will be. And then that's what we do as Christians, right? In his second letter, Paul told the Corinthians, he said, But this I say, 2 Corinthians 9 beginning with 6, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. See, we see the intent in the actions of Mary, don't we? That came from her heart. She thought about it. She didn't just uh, quickly with a knee-jerk reaction take this very precious gift and break it and waste it. She thought about it. And she understood and she knew that the Lord was the recipient who should receive that. She did it with a heart of happiness because she had an opportunity to do it. I think all of us need to look into ourselves when we offer sacrifice. And we need to, to ask ourselves, am I doing this because I, I want to do it, I'm happy to do it, I have an opportunity to do it. But I think a lot of people are grudging uh, in their, their gifts. But we have to understand, a sacrifice goes beyond the financial. We're not just talking about money. When we read about the Macedonians, they gave of themselves first, didn't they? That's what Paul said. They gave more than what we expected. They gave of themselves. And then the writer of Hebrews reminded his readers, Hebrews 13, beginning with 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of uh, praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks in his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. See, that's, that's how we sacrifice to God, not just financial. I think a lot of people get caught up in the, in the financial aspect of it, and I give a certain amount of money, and, and it may be very generous. But there's so much more to the life of a Christian than finances, than giving, right? There's so much more than just simply sitting in the pew and making sure that we're at, at each service of the Lord's people. Those, all those things are necessary. But you see, sacrifice goes beyond that. Sacrifice goes beyond that. The lady of Mark 16 did what she did or what she could in the area of sacrifice. Now I want us to notice our second point. She did what she could in the area of service. We learn a lot from her. Jesus expressed the depth of the service to him. And he simply said she did everything within her power. That's about all we can do, isn't it? We can do what we can do, but we need to understand what that is. We need to understand what that is. We were talking in Bible class this morning about responsibility. We were talking about fear. 
and the fearful will not be allowed to enter into the heavenly realm. And one aspect or one point we looked at was fear of responsibility. People are afraid. You see, we need to be able to uh, do what we can do and do it, right? It, it, it takes more than knowing what our capabilities are. We have to enact those and we have to do those things. The expression, what she could, is a reference to all she possessed. Bless her heart. All that she possessed. There were many things Mary could not do for Jesus. But there were some things that she could do. She anointed his head with a box of costly oil. She gave him all she had. Notice that her service was absolute. She gave all she could give to him. And God expects that from, from all of his people. Now we have to understand exactly the intention of this passage. Does God expect us to, to just give away everything that we have in our possessions? Well, no, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't fall in alignment with the, the history of the church. We can go to Acts chapter 5, and we all remember Ananias and Sapphira. They didn't have to give uh, uh, the money they had. They didn't have to sell their land. But the problem with them was they did sell their land, and they lied about how much they gave. They didn't have to do it. When we look about or read about the Jesus and the, the rich young ruler, he told him to go sell all he had and to follow him. That was a peculiar situation, right? That's not a blanket statement that everyone has to sell everything they've got and go follow Jesus in some way. How, how do we do that today, right? How do we do that? We can't follow. He's not here physically, and that's what he intended for this young man to do. Now, we follow Jesus by through a study of the Word and being Christians, but we don't have to sell all we've got. But He expects us to give all we can in service. That's what He's talking about. Her service was absolute. And that's what we ought to do. When presented with an opportunity of service, Mary took full advantage. Now think of this of a once-in-a-lifetime blessing for her. Jesus said, it is better to give than to receive, according to the writer of Hebrews. Now, who had the, who had the greater blessing here? Jesus or Mary? Well, Mary, by far, had the greater blessing of being able to do something for the Lord. I don't know anyone who would ignore an opportunity to serve Jesus in that way. Not anyone who claims to be a follower of His. If He were to appear to the masses today, those who believe in Him would surely flock around Him. I don't think there's a building large enough to hold the people who would come to listen to Him speak. But see, that's not going to happen, is it? That's not going to happen. So we have to... Uh, do what we can do knowing that He is still with us, that He's with us. Notice what Jesus said, beginning with Matthew 25, verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in naked, and you clothed me. We, we know the passage. We know the passage. And they say, well, when did I see you 
uh, hungry? When did I clothe you? When did I visit you in prison? When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And that's how we give today. We can't give Jesus anything. What, what could we possibly give him other than adoration and worship and loyalty? See, and we demonstrate that through our lives. That's the living sacrifice of which Paul spoke. I think it's clear. Jesus expects from us what he expressed about Mary. There's no doubt about it. And so to serve is a trademark of Christianity, isn't it? To serve is a trademark. How many atheist groups do you see going into the world when, a, when an earthquake or a tsunami or some kind of a civil war happens around the world going in to, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to provide shelter for those who've lost their homes or whatever the case may be. How many atheist organizations do that? There's not even that many governments that do that, is there, that really go in and take care of them like they ought to do without having bureaucracy in the way and people getting rich off of it. But you read about Christians going into an area, taking needed supplies, and doing what they ought to do. Brother Jim Waldron told me, he went into an area of India one time and, and uh, they took uh, uh, the food staples, rice and tea and, and things of that nature. In the, and it was uh, an area where there were a lot of Muslims in India. And that's uh, only about 15% of the population is Muslim, but they have a billion people, right? So that's a lot of folks. And so he went into this area where they'd never been allowed to go before and they had all the necessities, fresh water, food, and the, uh, in this particular area, the overseer said, you know, you're the only group that come in here with something besides old junky clothes. That's what he told me. You know, we don't need that. We don't need that. We need some food and some water. We need some help. And so they were able to go in, brethren, and they were able to, to establish congregations of the Lord's church. That's service. That's service. The Lord's church has been tasked with serving. And not just ourselves. Not just ourselves. We especially take care of those of the household of faith, but we are able to use service to convert people to Christ. Listen again to Jesus' words as he defended Mary against the thief Judas, Mark uh, fourteen six. Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. You see, and that's what he expects out of us, to do a good work. We're not able to uh, sacrifice. We're not able to serve unless we are able to surrender. That's our third and our final point. And we see this in Mary. She surrendered herself. And Jesus explained why Mary's use of the ointment was a good work. The problem did not rest, or the blessing did not rest in... Uh, it being wrong to help the poor, it was simply not the priority at the time. See, that's why she was able to surrender. Was there a problem with, with helping the poor? Well, I mean, is that a statement that anyone would disagree with? Hey, let's take some of this money and let's help feed the poor. That's what the example I just used of Brother Waldron. He went in and they were poor people. He helped feed them. That wasn't the priority. The poor people are always going to be with you. Jesus made that statement at one time, didn't he? You're always going to have poor folks, but you're not always going to have the Lord. So what was the priority? Jesus was the priority. She submitted to him. She gave herself to him. Uh, 
there are a lot of good works in the world that we can, in which we can participate, but we have to prioritize what we're doing. And that's what Mary did in her surrender. She put Christ in the priority. We go back to the time when Christ was in Bethany with Martha and Mary and Lazarus and Mary was in there and she was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha was fixing him a meal. Wouldn't that be an honor? Wouldn't it be an honor to have the Lord come to your home and you be able to feed him some good food and wait on him and serve him? Sure, it's an honor. Martha wasn't rebuked because she was doing something that was wrong, but it wasn't the priority. Mary had the right priority. Do we want to uh, be outside the room in the kitchen fixing food or we want to be sitting next to him listening to what he had to say? You know, we do that when our, with family, don't we? They come from long distances to come visit with us and we want to fix and prepare, but what would we rather do? We'd rather be sitting in the living room on the couch talking to them, wouldn't we? Hearing what they have to say, enjoying their company. You see, that's the priority. Mary's complete surrender as a priority can be seen in her service to Jesus. There was nothing that took that place. I think John here is careful to tell her, tell his readers that she also applied this ointment to his feet. When he was in the house of Simon the Pharisee, Luke seven thirty six and following, Jesus chastised his host. He made the statement to him, beginning in verse 44, he said, Thou gavest me no water for my feet, thou gavest me no kiss, my head with oil thou didst not anoint. You see, precious and costly oil was always for the head, not for the feet. Water was for the feet. Not in Christ's case. And we see that submission. Because of her priority, Jesus acknowledged his pleasure in her. He said this, She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And that is the case. That is the case. During that time, Certain people were anointed to demonstrate God's acceptance of them. We read in the Old Testament, how were the kings of Israel anointed or placed into power? They were anointed. They were anointed. Prophets, priests were anointed. Dead people were anointed. You know, today, how are we anointed? Through obedience. That's how God accepts us today, isn't it? Through obedience. And that's what He expects. Jesus wants us to surrender to Him in obedience, kneeling before His throne, accepting Him and what He says for what He says. We understand what that is. We talk about the, the plan of salvation. Paul no, uh, warned this, Philippians 2, beginning verse 10, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For a lot of people, it'll be too late. That doesn't mean that this statement isn't true. When Christ returns, every knee will bow. Every person will confess that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, just like Peter did. But it'll be too late. When time is over and the last day comes, if one has not obeyed the gospel of Jesus, you see that confession be made in vain. It'll be too late. Did uh, the rich man... Of the rich man and Lazarus, that account, did he recognize his mistakes in this life? Sure he did. 
But it was too late. And so we have to be prepared. She hath done what she could. That's something we want Jesus to say about each of us, isn't it? He or she did what he he or she could. And that is one of the greatest compliments that we read in the New Testament. If you've never obeyed the gospel, do that today. If you have, you become unfaithful. Do what you can to make amends with the Lord. And that's through prayer, repentance, confession, and God will forgive you. If you need to answer, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.